0: You know no soup for you! Come back. One year.
1: Yeah, we both have so much
0: in common. We both love soup.
1: Soup's not a meal! You're supposed to buy me a meal. I'm not stopping you from eating. Go ahead and eat. Get anything you want.
0: That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. And looks delicious.
1: What's up everybody, it is Monday, February 7th, Super Bowl week is upon us, getting ready for the big game here, as always, I am stoked, I don't know about you brother, but uh, I think we're going to have a great week.
2: This time of the year man, it's most anticipating, but you know it's going to be the last game, so I hope it's a good one, the commercials are going to be popping Fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready for it. Bring yeah, it on. Man.
1: Before we uh, jump all the way into the game, just want to do a little Pro Bowl recap. It sucked. The game is stupid. Um, no one wants to tackle anyone in the entire game. And I don't even know why they play this, because it doesn't look like guys come out and try. So, uh, yeah, that's basically all I had on it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, an interesting development. First off, first pass, he threw an interception. Uh, which if you're not familiar with Kirk Cousins, that's on brand. And second, the Vikings posted a Pro Bowl photo on Friday that had Justin Jefferson, Brian O'Neill, Dalvin Cook, and Harrison Smith. Interestingly enough, it was captioned, our four Pro Bowlers with heart eyes. No Kirk Cousins. Very weird. Um, the, I like it center. wasn't he a replacement he was a replacement so like that's the theory that like since he was a replacement but you still got to imagine they could have like called him over for the picture right Hot seat, Kirk Cousins there's like a lot of uh rumors going around that with O'Connell coming in the west coast kind of McVay offense thing they're going to run not west coast but the the zone offense style that Cousins could be safe I would say this pretty much begs to the contrary. So uh, we'll see. I hope he's gone. I thought it was super interesting. I texted it and shared it to literally everyone. I think I sent it to you on Instagram where I was like, interesting. I emoji. Don't know what's going on here, but uh, hopefully he's out of town. I don't have to deal with his bullshit anymore. So aside from that
2: controversy, how do you make the Pro Bowl better? How do you make it something that people, one, want to watch, that it's meaningful? Like, I don't think you can move it to halfway into the season. But how do you improve Pro Bowl weekend, the weekend right before the Super Bowl, the weekend where I just stayed home and, like, just got things done and didn't watch sports? So how do you pull me in, Eric? You're in charge of the NFL. Let's make the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl something people want to watch. What do we do?
1: Yeah, you just don't play a full game do all of the fun throwing competitions and have a 40 yard dash competition. Like have Tyree kill run against someone who we think is fast or like have an older NFL player who you like have Deion Sanders run against someone like do these fun little gimmick things all weekend and just scrap the game. Because if they're not going to tackle each other, no one's trying because no one wants to get hurt, which totally makes sense because it's a meaningless game. Just don't play a game just do all the little fun stuff around it and then maybe do seven on seven, maybe do something completely different. I I don't know, but to play a full 11 on 11 game where no one wants to block or tackle is just fucking stupid. And I'm tired of watching it every year, the games and the events centered around it suck too. Like they need to go back to their roots, have a long throw competition, have fun stuff going on. I know they still do some of it, but, Maybe pry it out of the hands of ESPN too, because Disney, they are horrible with this. We all know how bad ESPN's coverage of Monday Night Football is. I don't count the Brady, I mean, it's not the Brady, the Manning-Manning broadcast, because that's really just like a Twitch stream of them watching a game. They didn't invent that. Um, I Take it away from Disney, because they clearly don't know how to handle it, and stop playing a full 11-on-11 game. Do something a little different. Have more games involved. Maybe instead of playing dodgeball, just do fun stuff that football fans want to see yeah like bring the Madden like mini games to life yeah exactly or maybe just have them play Madden against each other is that not fun or like do something there used to be a show on ESPN this is a side note but it was like the Madden bus and they'd get like pro Madden players to play against each other. And it was very fun. It wasn't like the most compelling TV, but I watched it as a kid have the, have the dudes who make the pro bowl play Madden or like do something else other than football that like would be fun to watch. Uh, The game is not fun to watch. And I don't think any tweak to the game is going to be fun to watch because unlike baseball or uh, basketball or hockey, there's a higher inherent risk of injury. If you play hard in the game, they're just not going to do that. So Seven on seven, I think, would be fun. Spread the field out, have it mostly about the offense, score a million points, you know, have receivers making one-handed catches, shorten the game up to like an hour and a half. That, that could be a solution.
2: Dude, I'd love, like, during the season, there's all the awards that are given out. I think it's like this Thursday's NFL awards. Like, let's see who the best practice drill quarterback, wide receiver, yeah. running back defensive back like let's just see who the best practice type player in practice drills is and have the NFL throw like a million bucks behind it if you win the QB if you win the running back you get a million to I don't know maybe it's a donation to your charity like make these guys want to come and play because the dudes are going there on vacation they don't give a shit their season's over so put some money behind it
1: You know, exactly. Make it more fun is the point. Make it less about the game and more about the other stuff surrounding the game. And people might watch odds are people aren't really going to watch regardless. But like I, we had talked about it on the last podcast, back in the early two thousands, those throwing competitions were like must see TV. I remember as a kid watching them all the time because the players oozed personality in it and it didn't feel like a sterile, disney broadcast i i think the key is getting it away from espn and also like i said a seven on seven game would be fun that's different i'd tune into it like the only thing i watched the entire time there was a uh, a girls like national championship flag football game and it was horrible but like it at least was different i stood there and watched it for like 20 minutes because i was like damn this is different i'm in whatever Like, I got nothing else going on. But I'm not going to watch a game that no one's taking seriously. Make it seven on seven. Make it fun. It Change things up a little bit.
2: Like, if you're going to do the Pro Bowl, do it ESPN the Ocho style. Like, give me some novelty games that you never see anywhere else.
1: Or just have them all, like, live in a house or something. I don't mean to make it reality TV, but, like, get them a a big mansion or a hotel and then have like a live stream of them playing pool, playing video games. It doesn't just have to be Madden. Show me the personality of the players and yep. show me what they're really like. They try and do it by miking them up during the game. But like, give me a real view into who these guys are. And that would make it compelling. But what it is now is not compelling. Them playing dodgeball and doing some like whack throwing competitions and just hanging out and then they play an 11 on 11 game that no one's trying. It just doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I agree. And and Hey, I mean, you're bringing all these NFL players to Vegas. So what could go wrong?
1: I could tell you what could go wrong. One of your players could beat a guy up at a nightclub before the game. Shout out Alvin Kamara. Um, They didn't let this man breathe. He got arrested at 5 30 PM, which was like an hour and a half after the game ended, I think. He, uh he got into a fight at a nightclub and apparently like really beat this dude up. He ended up in the hospital. He was arrested on what was that Sunday at about five 30. He has since been released. He's clearly going to face charges. It's the NFL. So he probably won't get suspended. Um, but it's not a good look uh, granted. Having one guy get in trouble when you have the Pro Bowl in Vegas, I guess, isn't the worst thing that could have happened. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. It, I feel bad for him. I don't know what provoked it. I don't know the situation. I, I mean, I always say talk should get hit. Comments have consequences. And this guy probably said something out of pocket. And Kamara took offense to it. I, again, I don't have the facts. I don't know. This is just speculation. But I, I don't really. I, it's not that big of a deal. But I'll tell you what, it's created a media firestorm about Kamara for sure. Yeah, I mean, people beat people up every day. Like, it's not,
2: it's only a big deal because he's in the NFL. But, Eric, if you're as rich as Alvin Kamara is, you're telling me you're not going to hire me as a goon just to beat someone up for you? Oh, he totally should have. Yeah. Like, you should, you should totally have dudes ready to take the hit. Yeah. Like, I mean, Like I said, I don't know. We don't know what really happened. But, like, if you're in the NFL, man, you got a lot to lose. You do. Don't beat beat up some random Joe at Pro Bowl
1: weekend and steal all the headlines. You do have to know your surroundings and who you are and what the situation is. It's an error on him. But, again, he's at a nightclub. He's probably drinking. He's probably partying. I, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, he shouldn't do that for sure. He should definitely have guys on his squad that are ready to do that for him. But I, I still don't think he deserves to be suspended or anything. I, I don't think Alvin Kamara is going around beating people up unprovoked. Something was clearly said. Something was clearly done. And uh, we'll find out eventually. It's not going to happen this week. I don't think it's going to come out during Super Bowl week. But we'll, we'll eventually find out when charges are filed and everything's official. And he's definitely going to have to go in front of a judge and explain the situation because he was arrested. So we'll see. Yes, we will. Well, I think that's a perfect segue into our Super Bowl week preview. Um, I want to start off with I watched the Mic'd Up segment by NFL Films they released on YouTube, and it was the best week of it this season. It was epic. Exactly what you said on the last podcast about Mahomes saying, uh, I want one more shot on that fourth and goal at the end of the half they went for. He, uh, he definitely said it. It's, it's in the mic'd up segment. He points at Reed and says, I want one more shot. The overall cockiness of the chiefs really came out. And then in the second half, how deflated they were. I was shocked. Like Joe Burrow, end of the half, they're down 21 to three. He just like is in the huddle. He's like, Hey, we're not in two minute yet. We're not rushing. We got a lot of time. We move the ball down the field. We get a score here and we're back in this game and we're going to the Super Bowl. And they went down and they got the score, and then they came back and did it. He was Joe Cool, as people have been saying, all day long. And uh, it was really interesting mic'd up. They they did the Rams game, too, the Rams-Niners game. I kind of forgot that D'Amico Ryans is their defensive coordinator. He's one of the very first coaches that I really remember as a player. Um, Played for the Eagles for a while in i think like 2009 to 2014 area i could be off by a couple years but that sounds right and uh i was like where do i know that name from i was thinking about it he's still pretty young i mean he didn't retire that long ago so it it was cool it was cool to see him on the sidelines firing up the boys that game was intense uh something that jumps off the page is just sean mcveigh those dudes love him and he is electric like Stafford gets hammered on one play in the first quarter and all he does is come over on the bench. He goes, you good? Stafford goes, yeah. And just walks away. He goes over to every player on the defense before the last drive and he looks at Aaron Donald and he goes, this is your time. And then he looks at Jalen Ramsey and he goes, this is your time. And he looks at Von Miller and grabs him by the shirt and goes, this is why we brought you here and walks away. And I'm like, damn, bro. That's. That's fire. That's electric. I'm and not got... even
2: a Rams fan and I'm ready to run through a wall right now. I know,
1: dude. I know. And after the play, he's running up and down the sidelines, screaming, you know, flexing, yelling. Like that's the type of energy that gets you to the Super Bowl. And a lot of the McVay thing is him scheming and him being smart. But a lot of the McVay appeal is that those dudes want to run through a wall for him. I mean, he's got juice for days. So I, I was, I was blown away by it. It was a really good mic'd up segment.
2: What about the, the mic'd up for, like, the Bengals? Oh, just Joe Burrow just being cool as shit. Being
1: yeah. Confident. Yeah. There was uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. It opens with Clyde Edwards-Alaire from the Chiefs going over to Jamar Chase and going, you go to that Super Bowl, and you bring that shit back to Louisiana. You bring that shit home. That's why we're here. And he's, like, hyping up Jamar Chase after he lost. It kind of shows that LSU connection of all those guys do really love each other, and they are a family which you don't really see in the pros that much from college programs. It was a super cool moment. Uh, Chase and Burrow had a nice moment after the game. Burrow was more or less the whole time, like, we still got work to do. Uh, That was his attitude. It definitely made me consider betting on the Bengals, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Like, I was – after I saw Burrow on the last drive, like, we got this, this game's over, we're going to go down, we're going to score here. It's just, you know, dude, get your balls hard. It's the easiest Dude, way to say it. How do you handicap
2: Moxie? Like, how do, you, how, do you, how do you handicap swag
1: that a player has, man? What if he rolls up in a crispier outfit than he rolled up to the AFC Championship? I don't know if that's possible, but if he does, I might have to just wait to bet to see what Joe Burrow wears to the stadium, to be honest oh, with you. That's
2: some double your net worth type of vibe right there.
1: Yeah uh transitioning to burrow there haven't been that many interviews uh so far but yesterday burrow said he has the utmost confidence in the Bengals' o-line defending against the rams d-line and my response to that is okay i don't know how you have the utmost confidence but you know what i don't know what else he's gonna say (laughs) so uh yeah. yeah he's not gonna say we're fucked yeah uh and jamar chase said he practices the gritty dance three times a week and i'm going to use that to transition to another point that media day and super bowl coverage is really fucked up for the players cuz you're not going to ask them questions about the game it's the biggest game of their lives they need to focus they need to be prepared instead of sleeping in their own beds and getting ready for the game they got to fly in on sunday night and spend an entire week at the super bowl media day is a joke it's a circus they ask them dumb questions they go around um I just I personally don't get it. They don't do this for every week of the season. They don't do this for the championship games. I get that it makes the NFL money. It makes all the news networks money. But you got to think of the well-being of the players. I, I know Alshon Jeffrey when the Eagles were in the Super Bowl a few years ago, they asked him, like, how cool is all of this? Do you like all this? And he's like, To be honest with you, I'd rather be in Philly getting ready for the game and fly in on Friday and play a football game because that's really what it's about. And I think that's the general vibe of all the players. It might be cool. I could be speaking for people out of turn, but judging by most of the feedback players give after the game, it's more or less, this was a waste of my time.
2: I mean, Marshawn Lynch said it best. I'm just here, so I won't get fined. Exactly, man. That tells you what you got to know about the players, dude. Yeah. And they got to listen to people that don't know really anything about football, ask them about football, and then they have to dumb it down for people like, yeah, it it definitely is a circus. I understand the point of it. But dude, if I was a
1: player, like you're exhausted by the time the game comes around and you haven't even played. It's also mentally taxing all of these people asking you all of these questions, especially and it happens every year, they'll find a player with a personal storyline going into the game like his dad died or something like that. And they'll ask him about it like 15 times at media day. Maybe lay off the guy. Maybe he doesn't want to answer all those questions. Uh, And it's not just that. It's other storylines. Maybe it's a player who's had a really rough career and is now finally in the Super Bowl. It's going to happen with Stafford. They're going to ask him, what does this mean for you? And he's going to have to respond 30 times. It's not about me. It's about the team. Um, And people will still grab what he says and put the headline, Stafford makes Super Bowl about himself or this Super Bowl is about Matt Stafford. It's not, it's about the Rams and that's the way the players view it. And he's a leader and that's the way he views it. So all of this media day stuff is just, it's, it's over the top. It's overkill. I get that it's fun for the media outlets and gets them publicity and money. And that's cool, but it's not as important as the game. And we might be moving to a time where they could do a lot of these interviews just on zoom and have them commit to it for three hours of the day instead of eight hours on Tuesday.
2: Well, dude, I heard, I was listening to a radio show today and they had one of the Bengals call in. And I think they're still in Cincinnati. I think they leave tomorrow. Okay. Because I feel feel like the Burrow interview was was Zoom.
1: Yeah, it was over Zoom. So they still might be in Cincinnati.
2: But I mean, that's even worse. You show up on Tuesday and then you have like Wednesday, Thursday when you're supposed to be doing walkthroughs. And you're answering a billion questions like,
1: yeah, it's, it's or, kind of, it's, it's kind of dumb and antiquated. And I, I think it'll change on the way we do things, but I'm not sure. As long as people are making money, stuff's probably not going to change. Um, another note on the game, Tyler Higby and Cam Akers both missed practice today for the Rams. It doesn't look like Higby's going to play. If I had to guess, he will not play. Uh, Akers I'm not sure about but who knows that's big news for the Rams though, because if since he can take away the deep threat and the outside receivers, which is a tall task because they're Odell yeah. and Cooper cup, but Higby over the middle is a huge security blanket for Stafford. And I don't know if Kendall Blanton can get the job done in crunch time. So we'll see. I think that's a, a big storyline headed into the weekend.
2: It'll be something to watch, man for sure. I I think I said this 2 weeks ago like the injuries Super Bowl week the ones that come to light are huge yeah last year the chiefs o line 3 of them getting covid yep as soon as you see that hammer the bucks so you know we'll have to keep an, an ear to ear to the ground on these uh on these injury reports and then make a decision
1: side note oh, way too early <laughs> oh yeah well i was just going to say real quick before we get into the way too early lines um I think we're finally going to figure out what Zach Taylor sounds like this weekend. I I noticed in Mike'd up he's not even in it like once. Like there's like a shot of him standing near Joe Burrow saying something and that's it. So, he's going to have to get interviewed, right? Like I'm going to have to see what he looks like and sounds like. Uh which should be interesting cuz I he's the first coach to make a Super Bowl that we know nothing about. Like we know nothing about Zach Taylor. No one's talked about him. And Three weeks ago, people were saying like, oh, the Bengals are really just like one good coach away from being a contender. Well, now they're in the Super Bowl, so I don't know what any of us can say because I kind of said the same thing, if I'm being honest. Um, I didn't really know who he was or what he did, but he's got a team in the Super Bowl, so maybe he'll get some shine this week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what his voice sounds like. <laughs> Let's jump into the way too early lines for the week. Take it away, Finn. Dude, I-
2: I was watching Fox bet today, no free ads, but it's up to four and a half. I think it's been like that for a few days now, at least maybe tail end of last week. You know, I could definitely see the Rams winning on a last second field goal. So like you talk about Joe Burrow, the moxie, Jamar Chase practices the gritty three times a week. How do you handicap that one? You can't, Um, you, you, you can't, man. I think it's worth at least like a quarter point. I said last week that I was leaning Bengals. So many people are leaning Bengals, so I'm scared of it. But, dude, I mean, I think just for the fun of it, I think I got some free play on my book. Like, I think I have to go for it. I think I'm just – the question at this point is, do I take money line or do I take Spread? I'm probably leaning Spread right now, but come Thursday and the Friday pod – My balls might get
1: real big. I might throw it down right on the money line. What about you? I am unsure right now. Um, If I'm taking Rams, I'm taking the minus four and a half because I feel like if the Rams win this game, they win by at least a touchdown. I think if it's a close game, the Bengals probably win uh, because they have Burrow. I, I don't know, like everything in my mind, the statistics in everything I've studied throughout the year on both teams and how they've performed, it screams, take the Rams and the points. I agree. But I just, the, 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 Bengals have something going on and I don't know how to handicap that. Like you said, like Burroughs got this moxie. They have this team of destiny vibe. Their defense was bad all year, but last week was incredible in the second half. I have no idea how to project that. It's going to take me till to our Friday show to decide what I want to do. What I will say is if you're looking for some uh, Super Bowl MVP sleepers on the Ram side, look at Sony, Michelle, if Akers doesn't play the Bengals weakness all season really has been their run defense. Mm-hmm. Michelle could have a game where he has three touchdowns, especially if they're getting into the red zone often. And if he does that, it's gonna be hard not to give him the trophy. I'm not saying it's a lock by any means. I think Stafford's the safe bet and Burrow yeah. on the other side, with Chase and either Copper Odell being your like little spicy second-tier guy pick. But if you want to get out and get crazy with it, um I I think Sony Michelle could be a good find. Uh, I think Samaj P. Ryan on the other side is a good bet if you're trying to get really spicy with it and throw something on someone who has crazy odds. Because again, if a running back scores three times in a game, odds are he's going to get Super Bowl MVP even with these two quarterbacks. So that's what I look for. I would lean over versus under in this game, judging both defenses. Um, and if you're looking for the longest of long shots, look at Von Miller. You know, he gets the strip sack fumble in the last Super Bowl he was in. He does play really well in big games. The Bengals outside tackles are not their strength. Their offensive line in general is not their strength, but they're going to double-team Donald all day, which is going to leave Von Miller in in single-block scheme most of the day. So I, mm-hmm. I like that as a really deep-cut choice. Yeah
2: come friday i'll definitely have a lot more niche props that i'm going to place but at this point of the year i think you throw the stats out the door the okay. last time the the okay. last time the rams were in the playoffs or in the super bowl they played the patriots and it was what like 13 to 7
1: yeah that was a different game though that that patriots
2: defense was legit no, but what i'm saying is i had the over like three different times and it missed but the yeah. rams were one of the best offensive teams in football ever that season. Um, I think you throw the stats out who has the pressure right now. I think all the pressures on the Rams, they're at home. They traded their way to an absolute super team. I think the Bengals, they're just like, they're the underdogs there. I get a little bit of the Eagles vibes from 2017. Ah, fuck man. I weirdly,
1: I I weirdly think the Bengals have more pressure. Just because it would be the first Super Bowl in Cincinnati's history. Um, okay. I mean, not I'm not good. that I don't necessarily know if either team has a ton of pressure because the Rams are loaded next year too. Like they probably can't bring Von Miller back, but Odell could easily take a huge pay cut and just go back there. Based on what they have, they're still gonna have Stafford. They're still gonna have Acres. They're still gonna have Cup. They're they're gonna get Robert Woods back too. I, yeah, there's pressure on the Rams. I'd say, yeah, you're right. There's probably more pressure on the Rams, but I think there's pressure on both of these teams. I, you got to think the Bengals are thinking about, can they actually ever get back to this spot again? So, you know, that, that thought creeps in your mind too.
2: Very true. And no, a great, great points. And I think McVay's second time here, he lost the first time. He's not sleeping this week. I can no. tell you that he's going to be ready to go. So then you look at the Bengals and it's like, God, it's their first time here. What is this coach even going to tell the boys? Like, I don't think any of these players have been to
1: a Super Bowl, so you know we'll talk about it on Friday. But um... yeah, and on the uh, on the Bengals defensive note, the adjustment they made against the Chiefs last game two weeks ago was very much something we all could have figured out essentially by watching the Chiefs. The Rams don't really have that glaring weakness. It would be to get pressure on Stafford and force the ball out quick. But if the Rams establish the run, the, the Bengals are going to be in a lot of trouble in this game. So I I don't like I said, I don't know who I'm gonna bet on yet. I am leaning Rams minus four and a half, but we'll get into all of our picks and our locks on uh on the Friday pod.
2: Yep. Right on.
1: Yeah. So this Super Bowl could end up being a legendary Super Bowl, especially if the Bengals win. Uh I have my favorite Super Bowl of all time. I know you have your favorite, or not, I guess, of all time, but really during our lifetimes, because I'm not going to pick one I wasn't alive for. Uh, I know you have yours as well. So sure. let's get into that. My pick is Super Bowl 43. The Steelers beat the Cardinals 27-23 on February 1st, 2009, in Tampa Bay. Uh, I rewatched this game uh, today, in fact. And it was just, it's an insane game. It's spectacular. The first half of the game, the Cardinals can't do anything. Larry Fitz only has one catch in the entire first half. The Steelers, Big Ben running around, backyard football, scrambling, making throws. They're up 17 to seven at the half in this game. They're actually up 10 to seven and the Cardinals have the ball at the three yard line right before the half. And in my opinion, the greatest play in Super Bowl history, James Harrison picks off Kurt Warner and it's a brilliant play. He lines up at D end and he fakes like he's going in hard. The offensive lineman takes two steps back and then he circles back around to cover the um, like the little hitch route. I think it's a tight end option route that the Cardinals tight ends running and picks it off. He takes it all the way back a hundred yards for a touchdown lying on the ground. They got to get him oxygen. They can't get him up. He should have been tackled four or five times. He jumps over his own guy who makes the block Steelers go in up 17 to seven. And the third quarter happens. All that happens is the Steelers get a field goal. They're up 20 to seven in this game. You think it's definitely over. With nine minutes, 9.52 left in this game, Larry Fitzgerald had two catches. Just for reference, he finished the game with seven catches for 127 and two touchdowns. He went nuclear. He had both touchdowns for them at the end of the game, including that drag route over the middle that he takes all the way to the house. They had Al Michaels and John Madden's very last Super Bowl on the call. And John Madden says before that play, and he's been saying it the whole game, the Steelers are giving them the middle of the field. They're playing double high safety, and they're 9 to 10 yards off the ball. They're really deep. On this play, they were 12 yards off the ball. And Fitz runs that drag over the middle. They hit him with it, and neither safety is in a position because they're playing outside leverage where they can tackle him. Takes it all the way to the house. Cardinals go up. That is after... They got a safety in the end zone, which I kind of forgot about this play watching the game because mm-hmm. I'm doing the math in my head. Like the score has got to be 27-23. I know the Holmes catch at the end. We'll get to that. But Big Ben completes a throw over the middle to Santonio Holmes. He makes an unbelievable catch that we all forget about because it didn't count. He catches it with one hand kind of behind him a little bit on third and 10 from the, their own two-yard line. But the Steelers get called for holding in the end zone, which is a safety. So the Cardinals get the ball back and Warner gets sacked on the very next play. He throws the touchdown to Fitz. There's about two and a half minutes left. The Steelers go all the way down the field. Holmes makes a 30-yard catch to get him to the 10. He almost gets a touchdown that goes through his hands on first down. And then on second down, Ben runs around throws a perfect ball, the toe-tap catch, spinning in the end zone, 13 seconds left, game ends. It is an exhilarating fourth quarter to watch, even in a condensed game replay format. It was an incredible game on both sides. I mean, Santonio Holmes went nine receptions, 131, and a touchdown. He was crazy. I forgot about Willie Parker. He looked pretty good for the Steelers in this game. Um, He he was fine. I I was kind of surprised at his burst. Cool to see Tomlin, young Tomlin, dudes aged like fine wine. He still looks incredible. Uh, Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator. And I hate Big Ben, but I did forget how elite he was. He was running around like backyard bullshit, getting away from guys, throwing on the run 20 yards down the field in strides, dudes. Uh, just an incredible game overall.
2: Yeah, that, that game from as a guy from South Central PA, a guy that – Rooted for Baltimore. Just put a bad taste in my mouth. I was definitely rooting for the, uh, the Cardinals that, that year. Still a team that has never won a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. Um, that was their, their first Super Bowl appearance, I believe. Yeah. yeah it was.
2: I, I think they have like a world championship from back like in the day, like yeah. a long time ago. But, you know, just like you said, Big Ben, you can't tackle the guy. He's a tall-ass glass of water just a keg running around out there, you know, they Steelers were running really like good team that year. Yeah. Yeah. They were ahead.
1: running like design QB draws for him, which I forgot was part of the playbook, but he was running around making big plays. Um, They did beat the Ravens the week before in the AFC championship game, which I completely forgot about that game, but the Steelers were their defense was a problem. They had dudes all over the ball and the Cardinals defense was pretty good. I mean, Carlos Dansby, who's a player I kind of just forgot about, he had an incredible game. He was all over the field. There were plays like having John Madden as the commentator was awesome because he Unreal. points out stuff that dudes just don't now. But he's playing like – Danzi's playing like eight yards off the ball as a safety almost in the middle of the field. Um, he had eight tackles in the entire game, two tackles for loss. He was all over the field. He had a fantastic game. Darnell Dockett on this team too. They had Dominique Rogers-Cromartie had a great game. They, they had dudes all over the field for both teams. And you know the Steelers. They had um, Troy Palamalu, Lamar Woodley, James Harrison, James Farrier, Ike Taylor, Ryan Clark, Brett Keisel, Lawrence Timmons. I don't even need to keep naming guys because there's so many dudes on this defense. And they were sick. And you had the whole... Drama of Ken Wisenhut was supposed to be the Steelers' new head coach, and they hired Tomlin instead, and Wisenhut left after being on Cowher's staff and took the Arizona job. There was just a lot going on in this game, and uh, it it was a pretty incredible one to rewatch. Was Tomlin a rookie head coach that year too? Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Just think you go right from Cowher to Tomlin. And I mean, the Steelers do it better than anyone. They'll keep a coach if he's good forever. And they really give a guy time to build a program and, and get the work in. Tom Tomlin's still one of the best coaches in the NFL, but they played a, a really, really good game. Both teams did. And the fourth quarter of this game was on par with another Super Bowl that I have a feeling we're about to talk about. So if you want to say your favorite Super Bowl.
2: Dude, the 2016, 2017 Super Bowl. My first year in college. I'm a freshman in my dorm watching it. It's the Falcons versus the Patriots, the famous 28-3 game. Patriots come back, win it in overtime. I was writing this shit off. I'm saying no way the Patriots lose lose the Super Bowl. They're down. 21 to 3 at halftime. Falcons come out and score a touchdown in the beginning of the third quarter to make it 28 to 3. You're down 25 points. Tom Brady's on the sideline praying, doing whatever he's doing, his, his black magic to bring his team back. And they go on and they score six points in the third quarter, 19 points in the fourth quarter, and then the touchdown in overtime. The Falcons didn't score another point. After their touchdown in the beginning of the third quarter, and the Patriots win 34 to three. I mean, if you're asking me to choose my favorite Super Bowl, the Patriots ones just jump off the page at you because they were just good teams. But this one, I mean, it's the greatest comeback, maybe outside of like a Bills comeback in like the 80s or a team to come
1: back on the Bills, like this was insane. What were your thoughts? Uh, I turned this game off at 831 left in the third quarter when Tevin Coleman had the six yard pass for Matt Ryan to make it 28 to three. I thought the game was over. I was like, all right, I'm going go to bed. I turned the game off. And I remember checking Twitter and being like, Oh, Patriots scored. And they missed the extra point. Fuck that. I'm not turning it back on. And then they kick a field goal and you're like, "Ah, oh, it's 28 to 12. Yeah, I'll tune in. It's Tom Brady. Anything's possible. It's 28 to 12 with 9:44 left in the game. Patriots make it 28 to 20 with 556 left in the game. The Falcons just don't run the ball, which you can crap on Shanahan for it if you want, but the way the game was going, they they weren't getting yards running the ball either, so all it was going to do is take more time off. 57 seconds left, James White gets the catch. Um 28 to 28. Patriots get the ball first go down the field, James White, the 2-yard run on the outside around the edge of the defense sneaks in, diving into the goal line, 34-28 final. Unreal game. Like I I still think it's not the most points ever uh biggest deficit, excuse me, ever uh overcome in a playoff game, but it it's the biggest ever in a Super Bowl. It's the only overtime Super Bowl game. It is definitely the most memorable Super Bowl in the last 10 years. So Yeah, I think it's a great pick. It was a wild game, man. And both teams played well. Like Matt Ryan had a 144.1 passer rating. He was 17 of 23, 284, two touchdowns. That's wild. And and then you look at Tom Brady,
2: 466 passing yards.
1: Yeah. Bro, what the, what? That's Tom Brady, dude. He had that, was this, this was the year he had the pass to Edelman, right? Where he pins it off the ground. And scoops it up. I still can't believe he caught that ball in double coverage. Like, absolutely insane off a tip. Um, The craziest stat here, though, isn't even the yards
2: or the catch. Tom Brady attempted to pass 62
1: times. Yeah, he did. He had 43 completions. Yeah. What? He also had a 15-yard run, which for Tom Brady is like a 50-yard run. I...
2: 43 completions. That yeah. is unbelievable. If a guy throw, attempts to throw it 50 times, you're like, oh, my God, they have no running backs. He completed it 43 times. Uh, listen, we've been giving Tom Brady the work the past few episodes because he retired, so we need to, like, you know, get off our knees and, you know, stop, stop praising this guy. But that's just unbelievable. To
1: bring your team back from 28 to 3, God. Yeah, and so – cool. Shout out James White, 14 catches, 110 yards and a touchdown through the air, six rushes for 29 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Dude had an unbelievable game. He has stayed in the NFL just because of this game to this point, because he has done absolutely nothing since this game, yeah. but he's still on the Patriots. No one, this was the James White inception. No one knew who James White was before this game. Everyone's like, who the fuck is James White? He burst onto the scene and then just politely left forever. He's still on the Patriots, I assume. But, yeah, it was a it was an absolutely wild game, man.
2: Good for them. I mean, I'm not really – I'm not a born-and-bred Patriots fan, but good for no, them. No,
1: neither am I. But that was just – it was a really fun game to watch. Uh, it was pretty epic. Shout-out Keanu Neal for the Falcons. He had 13 tackles in the Super Bowl. Absolutely wild game. Falcons' defense played great until the 944 mark in the fourth quarter. And the craziest thing about this is the Falcons like didn't have a good defense all year long. They scored 21 points in the second quarter. They, they're, they're up 28 to three in this game. I still can't believe the Patriots won this game, but that's, that's the power of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You think they're done. You think they don't have any guys that can contribute and they pull James White out of their ass and he goes for over 150 all-purpose yards and three touchdowns yeah
2: I don't know was this like the fifth Super Bowl I think it was the fifth Super Bowl for the Patriots yeah
1: it was because they beat the Rams in 18 that was their sixth
2: yeah so if this was the fifth like I feel like this is when people were like
1: all right is it time to call Tom Brady the best ever yeah and this yeah. was the first one of three straight appearances because they went 16, they beat the Falcons, 17, they lost to the Eagles, and 18, they beat the Rams. Yeah, I mean,
2: if you've... He, he, he's, he, he's not like us, Eric. No. Tom Brady's not like us. So
1: No, he's not. Tom Brady, and we left this one out in the Tom Brady gluck gluck section that we had for his retirement <laughs> last week, but uh, Tom Brady made the Super Bowl. More times after 2010 than he didn't make the conference championship game. Think about that. He made the Super Bowl more times after 2010 than there were instances where he did not make the conference championship game. That is insane.
2: Uh, it's mind-boggling.
1: Yeah, but uh that's a great choice. Speaking of great choices, we're going to do our top five Super Bowl party foods. It's contentious. A lot of people all uh, argue a lot of different things. I'm going to let you have the first pick here. I, I have a feeling what you're going to pick, but uh, let me hear your top Super Bowl party food. Eric, you know damn well what I'm going to pick
2: right now. And it's my homemade buffalo chicken dip with some Tostito scoops. Okay, I'm- I think that is a number one thing that I always make every year. It's just so damn good. You mix it in with the, I think it's sour cream or cream cheese. I I look up whatever generic recipe and just add extra hot sauce. That's my trick. Damn,
1: you took my pick, dude. I didn't think you were going to take that.
2: Fuck, that's an easy, easy number one, man. You give me number one, I'm going with that. Buff if I wasn't, it's elite. It's elite, dude. It's elite. If I wasn't so depressed that the Packers weren't in the NFC championship game, I would have made it for championship weekend as well. But now I'm just going to put all that love and goodness into Super Bowl Sunday and it's going to be fire.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an absolutely epic first pick. That was going to be my first pick. Cause I thought you were going to take this and I'll take chicken wings just cause it's, it's easy. Like, yeah, yep. chicken wings, Super Bowl and chicken wings go together like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, it, it's just you're going to eat wings at a Super Bowl party. And if your Super Bowl party doesn't have wings, you need new friends. Period. End of discussion. And if your Super Bowl party has mid wings, if they're bringing that mid, you know, non buffalo, like you can have other flavors. I'm a spicy, sweet chili. Maybe bring that into the mix uh, like a, a barbecue wing cool with that but you got to have the buffalo to lay the foundation for everything so uh i'm gonna go chicken wings with my first round pick now it's my second wait, 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 round here Eric, Eric, yeah? let's get
2: contentious here are you a, a blue cheese or ranch type of guy
1: i'm a ranch guy all the way blue cheese grosses me out uh, god we just got a bunch of pussies on this podcast I'm whoa right there <laughs> are you a blue cheese guy No, I'm a ranch guy, bro. We are are baiting AF. (laughs) All right. Yeah. If you're doing the, if you're requesting blue cheese, when the order goes in, I'm kicking you out of my house, dog. Like there's no way. I think blue cheese is like baseline. That's default at like a ton
2: of places. Yeah. You 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 have
1: have to ask for ranch, but they'll always ask you on the phone. Pretty much ranch or blue cheese. Yeah. um, Are you, are you going for the celery ever? Oh, I, I, I try to order extra
2: celery and carrots. I'm, I'm a real softy when it comes to that. What about you?
1: I like the celery because you use the leftover buffalo sauce, mix it in with the ranch a little bit, get the celery and the ranch going because there's never enough wings for everyone. I mean, there's always that one person who eats all the wings every time. It's usually me. But you um, got to you gotta, gotta kind of mix things up and get into it, get into the veggies. It's not, it's not a bad add-on. They give them to you for a reason. Yeah, uh, I'll no, transition and, into and my if, second pick. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. No, again. If someone eats all the wings,
2: that's why you got the buff chick dip and you make a shit ton of it. You bring so up
1: always have enough. Okay, but you got to bring the buff chip dick out chick. Wow, I'm not even going to try and say that because I'm going to fuck it up again. You're going to bring the buffalo chicken dip out first, right? That's the first thing that hits the table. That's like ready to rock when people get there. Yep. Yeah. And then and then the wings come out. And then my number two pick, and this is kind of controversial. I'ma go with the the five-layer Mexican dip. I the the black bean, you got the uh the sour cream layer, you got the cheese layer, the guac layer. I'll I'll eat that shit all day, man. Specifically the Costco one. Don't know if you've ever had it. It's fire, just comes in like a big plastic tub. I'll eat an entire you know top of that myself I as far as like picky snacks go elite tier
2: yeah I've never had it I definitely had like a nacho type dip I don't know if that's exactly what you're going for pretty but was similar pretty similar yeah it was definitely on my list that's never really been the lane of of what I've had at Super
1: Bowls you see it on every commercial for a yeah. Super Bowl party though I bring it because it's cheap if you got to bring something, you know you're talking in the group chat like this is what we need, this is what we need. Who's going to get the five-layer dip? My hand goes up every time, baby. It's like $8. Chips, little tostito scoops. Are you a scoop guy? Absolutely. Yeah, got to be a scoop guy. But uh some some five-layer dip elite tier. What's your what's your second round pick here? <sighs> I know I got back-to-back
2: picks, so I'm good. But I think And I'm even bumping a pick up on my big board right now. Okay. I got to give a shout out to the girlfriends and wives out there that have no idea what's going on for the Super Bowl. The novelty desserts, man. If you have a girlfriend that brings some really nice, like, ooh, like some nice homemade cupcakes with a football on top or some homemade, like, I don't know, like just a cake – or just like a novelty dessert, I'm gonna go like a novelty cupcake that yeah. is just like out of this world, so good. Little plastic footballs on top. A hundred percent, not store bought though. You gotta you gotta make it at home. Um, it's a great thing um, that that girlfriends always make them and they always slap. So I, I'm gonna have to go novelty desserts and and the cupcake with the football on top it's always good and sweet after you just fill up on wings and just a bunch of shit. That's going to make you like destroy a toilet afterwards. Throw
1: a a brownie on top. That's my number two. I, I have to say, I never go for the desserts. I, I fill up on everything and I'm, I'm not a big sugar guy. So I'm never like first in line to grab the cupcake. By that point I'm either having diarrhea in the bathroom or so upset that my bet lost on the TV uh, that I'm screaming and also have heartburn. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I I'm interested to see what your third round pick is. Cause I have one that I am hoping slides.
2: <laughs> well, my third pick it's tough, dude. It's tough, but I'm just going to go back to the well of when I was a kid, my mom's not really the best chef. So she pulled this out. The charcuterie board, man. Oh, you just Mitch Trubisky. You left Patrick Mahomes on the table. Dude, my big board is light right now, but I think charcuterie board, you got your sweet stick salami. You got any cheese you want. You got the crackers on there. Th- great finger food. You can watch it while you're waiting for something else to come in for the wings. To, for the person picking up the wings to go get them. I think I got to go charcuterie. Now I'm nervous for
1: what you got. Yeah, you got to be nervous because my third pick is Chili. I don't know how Chili fell to the third round, but you can't have a Super Bowl party without Chili. You got to have Chili. It's February. It's cold. You're already getting diarrhea, so you might as well, you know, have a nice base for that diarrhea. Throw some rice on the bottom. I make – well, my mom makes it. I'm not going to take credit. Shout out my mom, Paula. She is a saint. An Italian queen. She makes white chicken chili, and I have acquired the recipe. I know you have eaten this before. It's the greatest chili that exists. It is absolutely fantastic. Ask anyone who's eaten it. It's five star quality. Um, but it doesn't have to be a white chicken chili. You can make any chili. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Bengals fans out there are going to be getting some Skyline chili going for this Super Bowl. But it's the Super Bowl and chili. I mean, it's like wings. You can't have a Super Bowl party without a chili. Someone's got to make chili. Bro, I think I need to reevaluate my family, dude. I've never had chili at a Super Bowl party. No. (laughs) Oh, my God. You are missing out, dog. You are missing out. Chili and the Super Bowl are simpatico. And I'm not going to lie. You went charcuterie board over chili. You might be telling on yourself a little bit, dude. That's, That's a little bougie. That's a little fancy
0: bro. I'm
2: not trying. I'm
1: just, I'm just telling
2: you what I like, dude. I usually have half a family size lasagna j- dish of Buffalo chicken dip to myself. So like, bro, I don't know if I could house enough chili, man. Like you're just getting one bowl of everything. It sounds like.
1: Yeah. I mean, Hey, listen, shout out my buddy, Dave, Dave Childs. If you bring chili around Dave Childs at a Super Bowl party, there aren't going to be no chili to bring home. He's going to wait for everyone else to get some chili. And then he's taking the chili and running, dog. Um, it's the first thing that flies off the shelf. I'm telling you, you got to have it.
2: Well, I think next time I'm in town, dude, have your mom make a big old batch.
1: Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm leaving with some. I mean, we'll get some white chicken chili. You'll never be the same again. Right, it'll change. <laughs> it, it changes a man. It turns him from a boy to a man. Um, let's see, my fourth round pick. There's a lot of options on the table here. Huh. Tough. You know what? I'm gonna go simple with it. Some Doritos. Maybe get okay. the spicy sweet chili. That's my favorite. The purple boys. Also vegan Doritos. Fun fact. They're the only vegan Doritos. Not that it matters, but still. Uh, Maybe you get some cool ranch going some nacho cheese some spicy nacho get the classics in there mix them in, you know, buffalo chicken dip runs out the wings run out. You get some Doritos eat some of those to fill up crush them put them in the chili too. you could use the Dorito to chip in the five layer dip. It's a very versatile snack. There's a reason that they run ads for Doritos throughout all the playoffs and all the Super Bowl ads. Because people like Doritos. And if you're bringing four bags of Doritos just like laced up walking into the party, no one's going to complain. Great pick. What's the purple bag? The sweet chili? The spicy sweet chili. That's my favorite. Yeah. And you said those are vegan? Yeah. They're like the only vegan Doritos. Very Uh weird. Don't know why or, or how, but yeah. I think the first time I
2: had those like getting it at a Seven Eleven, just like out of my mind. And I saw the purple bag. I was like, shit, let's go for it. I haven't turned back. No, yeah, they're they're the best.
1: They're by far the best. Um, It's a great pick. Thank you. I, um, I, I was, I didn't think I could leave it to get back to the fifth, but what's your, what's your fourth rounder?
2: (sighs) I'm doing another off the wall. Really? I don't think it's a hot take, but I'm going to go weed Brownie. Okay. Have it at at like halftime, maybe like half a one at halftime or like end of the second quarter shit, maybe before the game, depending on how much of the second half you want to watch it. If you have it at halftime, it should kick in right towards the end. You know, I'm not promoting it, but
1: if you want to make the end of the game, absolutely nuts. Can't go wrong with that. I'll never forget. And I'm not going to name this person by name, but. He's someone in our fantasy football league, and he knows if he's listening right now. Um, our friend, our mutual friend, and his girlfriend took a weed brownie before that Patriots-Rams Super Bowl and showed up and were just non-functional human beings on the couch. <laughs> I never, I sat between them and never had more fun in my entire life. Um, I also won a ton of money that night, so I was in a good mood. But uh, it, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I like that pick. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna partake during the Super Bowl, I'm more of a backwood guy. Um, but you know, a weed brownie is a great choice. And you know what you could do to spice things up at your parents? Put them on the table. Don't tell anyone they're weed brownies. <laughs> and you, then you figure out when the shits hit, who's who's elite and who's not. Man, have a real good time. Lock all the doors. Start playing Chop Suey by System of a Down. See see who's really in it.
2: Mom leans over and says, thanks, Eric. I've had three of these already. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, that's a good pick. I like that. That's strong. All right, well, number five, you know, you're going to veto this immediately. I kind of want to go drinks, and I want to go, and you can go drink with your fifth, fifth pick if you want. I kind of want the, over, the overly priced IPA that you never get when you go to the beer store because it's overpriced but fuck it's the super bowl let's get that novelty ipa
1: yeah you bring the variety thing. pack in i don't hate that pick yep yeah I, that's not a bad pick the little variety pack ipa because you know everyone's going to bring bud light miller light coors light the staples You're going to bring them all to the party you're the ipa guy you show up with the good beers people are going to appreciate that heck yeah and, and you it's, it, the,
2: it's the super bowl dude have a seven percent beer. Have yeah. one more than just more than just water. Have a good time, man.
1: Yeah, man, I agree. And you know what? Again, we've we've mentioned diarrhea four times now, but like the IPA is going to help bind everything. You you start drinking like twelve Bud Lights, the next day is going to suck. That is going to be hell on earth. And America does not give you the day off of the super the day following the Super Bowl off from work, which. I mean, if President's Day is a fucking holiday, the day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. I think and, it's coming. In, and, in a few years when they have
2: 18 games, the weeks get pushed, pushed back. In a few years we will. We'll have it.
1: They gave us off for Columbus Day forever. And uh he was an asshole. So they can right. give us the day after the Super Bowl. Just say it's Brady Day. Just call it Brady Day and give us all the day off. And uh I don't know why we don't do that because they know I'm drinking till nine at least. Oh, at least. And what? this year with Snoop and Dr. Dre and Kendrick, I mean partaking in a, a little bit of marijuana all night too. I mean, you can't smoke weed every day. You can't not do it. <clears throat> <laughs> What's your
2: fifth pick? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, man, I have a medical license in Pennsylvania, so I'm safe. The, the, the yoppers can't come get me. Um, my fifth pick, Another basic pick, but I'm going to take a pizza. And, you know, I'm a cheese pizza guy. I like the quality of the pizza to do the talking. You start ordering from some of these places, they cover it in toppings. It masks not very good pizza. But you got a little pizza going, maybe get a paizan to make that pizza for you, and it goes a long way. Um, Nice cheese pizza, 18-inch, real big. Get some slices in there. You can even put that out before the chili. You know, as a little appetizer, have a slice of pizza or two. Get the wings, get the pizza going. You could take some of the wing sauce and put it on the pizza if you want to. You know, take some of that ranch, put it on the pizza if you want to. It kind of goes with everything else. Um, it's a can't miss. I, people want the pizza there.
2: Okay. I love the pick. All five of ours, I think, are pretty good. So let's give the people some advice, Eric. If you're ordering food Super Bowl Sunday, not even ordering it on the day. That doesn't have to happen. But what's the best way to do it? Are you ordering the wings first? Do you go pick up everything? Do you order them at the same spot? Like, I feel
0: I like
1: the, there's system. an art to it. Oh, there yeah. is. I have a system. So I'm gonna shout out a couple places here. Shout out Alfredo's and Brumall. Best wings ever. History of time. Legendary wings. Like people eat them once and talk about them the rest of their life. Lives, it's like the road to El Dorado. Um, it's unattainable. The fountain of youth, Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon probably craved these wings. They are incredible. I order them on Friday and say I want them on Saturday, on Sunday, so that they don't run out. If you put your order in early, you're good to go. With the chili, I always make it myself. Uh, I think that's how most people do it to have enough chili. It's pretty easy to make. It's not very labor intensive. You just kind of let it simmer, stay on the uh the stove for a while. Same thing with buff chick dip. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You throw it in, you forget about it. You're going to make that yourself. Uh, You do your Acme or grocery store run, get the Doritos, get the five-layer dip, the charcuterie board, anything you want that's kind of extra, the Tostitos scoops, maybe a little Tostitos with lime. I'm a fan. Uh, And if you live in a state where you can buy beer, you can buy your beer right in the grocery store. Boom. Knock that out. With the pizza, it's a little different. It depends where you're ordering a pie from. I mean, if you're just going like Domino's, you can call it day of whatever. I love Santucci's in Philadelphia. They're like my favorite pizza shop ever. We just shouted them out on the Mario party live stream last night because we ordered it during it. And uh, so we're just a Santucci's network now at Good Soup. But you call them on Saturday, see what their availability is. You know, you don't demand a pizza. You call them, you say, hey putting a feeler out there. Can you make me pizza for tomorrow? Trying to see if you guys are busy. If you're overwhelmed, don't worry about it. You know, they're going to be nice to you. You leave a nice little tip because they're going to be overwhelmed on that day. They're going to be slammed with orders. Take care of your, your servers and your service industry people out there. Um, and you have that either delivered or you go pick it up. They might not even do delivery on Super Bowl Sunday. A lot of places don't. So you have it locked and loaded. Then on Sunday you go get everything. You get the wings, you get, Your acme run maybe on Saturday. Get everything ready for that, and then you're in with the pizza, and you're set for the party.
2: I love it. I love it. And and you're getting everything before.
1: You're getting every. You're not. You because once those commercials start, you're not. You're not going anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, also, if you're ordering wings, you're not ordering wings on Super Bowl Sunday. You're just not getting them. Like you're gonna have to make that airstrike call on like. Thursday or Friday, make sure they're locked for Sunday. You can order ahead peeps. They'll, they'll make a little note. They'll make them for you. You just tell them what time you got to pick it up. Got to got to, but no,
2: that's great, man. I'm hungry as shit right now. I was at dinner earlier and I'm already hungry. So
1: yeah, man, I just ate a box of Annie's Mac and cheese. I could really go for some, some high quality food and Sunday. I'm going to get it, baby. We're going to be getting after it. Um, All right. Yeah, so those are our top 5 Super Bowl foods. Uh we're going to transition keeping in the NFL but go to NFL coaching carousel. We're all wrapped up pretty much at this point. There's only one team still looking for a head coach cuz the Texans are apparently hiring Lovey Smith as their next head coach. Interesting move. Lovey was at Illinois a few years ago. Uh truth be told, I love Lovey Smith. I think he He's hilarious. He looks like Santa Claus now. Um, I don't really think it's a great hire when they could have hired, you know, a current defensive coordinator that is probably a little more in touch with NFL football currently, but they're trying to change the culture. It's not a bad culture hire. He's a really cool dude. He's a very smart coach. He knows how to coach a defense. Uh, It seems like they're going for more of a tank forward strategy with him. I would presume like he's not the guy who's going to bring them a Super Bowl, but you know, interesting nonetheless. And uh, he'll be the second African American head coach in the league, which we had touched on last podcast, which is good. Uh, it's good to see the Texans moving that forward. Just an interesting hire overall. I don't really know. I was shocked that he's getting this job, to be honest with you. I was shocked when I saw that they were interviewing him, but you know, Lovey Smith, Texans head coach.
2: I think he was a coordinator for them a few years back.
1: I think he was.
2: He was their defensive coordinator. So there is familiarity. Yeah. I don't know. He beat Wisconsin at Illinois, like, what, two years ago? He did. Maybe that was a big part of his interview. I don't know. I like Lovey. Um, Since we're on Super Bowls this week, first Super Bowl I ever watched was Colts versus Bears. Yeah. He was the coach. Sexy Uh, Rexy. That was like 2006 or something. I don't even know. It was a long time ago, but I think you nailed it. I think that was 2006. Yep. Yep. So that was so there you go. My entire Super Bowl history started with this guy, Devin Hester running back the kick. He has big game uh big game experience, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um
1: But it'll be interesting. I mean, the Texans are a dumpster fire, so. And as we've said a million times, it's not really about one guy. It's about the staff that he brings in. And Lovey does have a lot of connections around the league. Hopefully he brings in some youth coaches and not just older guys that were on his staff before. But it's not a bad hire by any means. It's just an interesting one. I, I did not see that coming. I agree. Moving on to one that was more scripted that I did see coming. The Dolphins are hiring Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator. Um, He's got some of the funniest press conference clips I've ever seen. He also always looks like he just got out of bed like five minutes ago and (laughs) ran to the podium. He had that clip in the uh, NFC championship game where uh, the guy was interviewing him and he just seems like he was baked out of his mind. He was like, who's talking? Mike.
0: Um, what is it about Debo? Who? What's up, man?
1: Mike Jones, let's go. What's up? I assume it's a good hire. You know, there's been a lot of success with the Shanahan, McVay tree, another coach who coached for the Washington football team on that staff, which is hilarious. So yeah, I I don't, I don't think it's a bad hire. We'll see. I still think they should have kept Brian Flores. I don't know how this is an upgrade over Brian Flores, but. We've gone over that. So yeah, we'll, we'll see for the dolphins. I, I am rooting actively against the dolphins now, if I'm being honest. Was this the guy that
2: said he wouldn't go to a new team that doesn't like in a state that isn't
1: fed like legalized marijuana? Yeah, it is the guy. And my, and fun fact, Florida is recre- is not recreationally legal. It's not decriminalized. It is medically legal, um, gotcha. which means nothing. It means that it's, you got to go through a process and pay a fee to get a card. Uh, but weird I mean, that this guy's, this guy's hilarious though. Oh, he's I'm so like- funny. Yeah. Weird pivot for Florida to like not have recreational pot when they're like, everyone's on meth all the time and shooting <laughs> each other. Like, it's just like a weird, a weird move for Florida, um, but kind of on brand to be weird for Florida. But yeah, I'm rooting against the dolphins. I don't like Steven Ross. I don't like that the way he treated Brian Flores I don't like that he offered him 100 a game to lose games. I, I don't really see the appeal in going to that team because two is a game manager at best, and at worst, he's out of the league in two years. Love Jalen Waddell. They got some pieces on defense, but I think Brian Flores coached up that unit a lot, and that's why they succeeded. So we'll see how it goes for him. I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, no state income tax. So Yeah, that's huge. That yeah. is huge. And it's also you get to live in Miami. That's pretty lit
2: facts but Packers hire Rich Basaccia special teams coach I know dude I thought you'd be hype about this well apparently the Packers had the 32nd ranked special teams and this guy's a lifelong coach players love him I mean he he can only go up from 32nd ranked
1: special teams so yeah I guess good hire yeah I, I think it's a great hire I the dude just took a team that dealt with more in one season than most teams deal with in a five-year span to the playoffs, purely based on motivation, special teams does have some schematic stuff going on, but most of it's just getting the boys ready to play every single play, getting them prepared every single play practice repetition. I think he's going to bring that to the table. The Packers already have a pretty good coaching staff. I think it's a great hire and a great guy, a veteran voice to add in a room with a younger head coach, a new offensive coordinator, Um, I think it's a great hire, unfortunately for me, but I think it's a great hire. I don't know. Like this
2: gives me vibes that Rogers will probably come back. I don't know if this was him working. I don't know if he had any hands in this at all, but
1: I don't know. Rich Versace is a player, player, player's coach. So I can't wait to do this all season with every time the Packers (laughs) do something. You're like, oh, well, the Rogers is coming back.
2: You know, oh, he's definitely leaving now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah it is. he's definitely out. Uh, I, it's going to happen all off season, and I'm going to laugh every time. Also, <laughs> shout out Skip Bayless because he turned the Brady retirement into a diss on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if you saw this. He was like, yeah, yep. he was like, you know, Brady retiring. Well, if Rodgers is contemplating it, now he can't retire because he saw how everyone loved Brady, and they're all going to hate him. Skip never takes a day off, dude. He never takes a day off. Guy is an absolute legend.
2: Dude. <laughs> I,
1: I, I have no words. Ne- <laughs> Next coaching carousel. Uh, yeah. The Jags hired Doug Peterson. I think that's another good ho- coaching hire. Uh, Doug Peterson got let go by Philly essentially because of Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz acting like a petulant child. Calling him out in film session, not getting what he wants, crying, blah, blah, blah. The Eagles did the Eagles thing and mishandled the entire situation, top to bottom, which is very on par for them as a franchise. And now he's going to the Jaguars. I I thought it was interesting. I I honestly thought they interviewed Byron Lefwich. I thought he was a better fit because he played there and he played there when they were good and he kind of knew what the fans wanted and wanted to see. But I I still think it's a good hire. I think Peterson. With a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, you saw how he developed Wentz in the first year. You saw how Nick Foles flourished under him as a coach. They had Alex Smith back when he was with the Chiefs, and he had a career resurgence with the Chiefs. He's really good with quarterbacks. He's really good at bringing in coaches who can play with quarterbacks and develop them. It's a good hire for a team that's going to be rebuilding for a few years. And who knows? I mean, when the Eagles brought Peterson in, it was a very similar situation. They had a young QB. They were going to rebuild, but they still had some pieces who could play around him. And in a couple of years, they turned it around. So I I don't think the Jaguars are in that same boat, but you never really know.
2: I mean, my biggest question was, is he bringing Frank Reich with him?
1: Because that was a big piece of that Super Bowl run. No, it was. No doubt. No doubt at all. Um, Frank Reich was a huge part of developing Carson Wentz and coaching up Nick Foles and getting the boys ready to play. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I, it's, it's, a, it's not a bad hire for Jacksonville. And I think after the year they had, me saying they hired a coach and it wasn't a bad hire is a step in the right direction for them after Irvin Meyer. I mean, I think they have a top two pick too, either one or two. They have the number one pick so I mean
2: what better position to be in you you got last year's number one pick now you
1: got this year's
2: number one pick
1: yeah I don't know what they're gonna do because they have solid pass rushers and the two top guys are gonna be pass rushers this year they might be able to trade back for a team that really wants Aiden Hutchinson I don't know we'll see um I think with the Jags at this point, it's about stockpiling as many assets as you can get to rebuild this team. But they have some pieces. I really like Jamal Agnew this year. He, uh, everyone thought Latavius Chenault. I think that's his name. Latav- it's probably not Latavius. His last name's Chenault. That he was going to be their slot kind of weapon guy and ended up being Jamal Agnew, who had a really nice year. They have James Robinson. They drafted ETN last year, so they have him now. You know, they, they got some pieces. They got Trevor Lawrence. So we'll, we'll see what they do
2: draft offensive lineman.
1: That's what I say. But there's not really – there's uh the kid from Iowa, the center. I can't think of anyone's name right now. He's regarded as the best lineman in this draft, kind of a game changer. But you're not going to take a center at number one. So it might be smart to trade down, get some assets next year, and, and snag him. Yep. I agree. And the final NFL coaching carousel news is the Saints are interviewing Eric enemy. They're really interested in him. I think that's an awesome fit. It's a pretty stable organization at this point. A lot of that has to do with Sean Payton, but they do have a good structure set up with everyone. Biennemi has proven time and again that he will bring a great offense to the table. Mahomes and the rest of the team speak really highly of him as a leader. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to see him get hired. I, I think it'd be a, a great hire for the Saints.
2: Yeah, Beanie is one of those, it's overdue. He, he's, he's been deserving of a head coaching job
1: for a while, so. I think Um, he might be turning down a lot of jobs though. I don't know that that's just speculation, but like he's getting interviewed by a lot of really bad teams and he does have a good situation in Kansas city. So he's probably waiting for the right opportunity. And this seems like the right opportunity for him. And again, they're going to have a quarterback that's going to be his guy because they're going to have to go get someone. The, The quarterback of their future is not on their roster. Jameis is a free agent. I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him back for a year, but it's not Taysom Hill, it's not Ian Book, and it's not Trevor Simeon, so they're gonna have to find someone else. Wait, I mean, if if
2: if I was in his shoes, I would just ride out. Kansas City offensive coordinator win two more Super Bowls. Andy Reid retires. You become the Kansas City head coach. Yeah, win
1: the Super Bowls. Like, why start from scratch if you're in that position? It's you the know, Josh you- McDaniels dilemma because he also was waiting to be the Patriots' next head coach and left this year to take the uh Las Vegas job. I think it's more or less you you can't rest on your laurels. Like how many years are you going to be able to do it? Then you're just like relying on Andy retiring soon or at some point. I don't know. Um if the right opportunity presents itself and the Saints have a great defense already and he's an offensive coach. So as long as you bring in a good coordinator, you're pretty much set. Uh, I think it is a good opportunity for him. I think this might be the—that's why he's rumored to be first in line for it and interested in it because it is a, a really solid structure they've built there. Good. Then it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Chiefs if he goes. Yeah, definitely. See if they, see if they change it all. Awesome. Well, all right, let's go to the the NBA a little bit here. I know it's it's not your your forte, but we had talked about the reserve all-stars on the last podcast I had mentioned some snubs possibly LaMelo Ball possibly DeJounte Murray well DeJounte Murray was named the all-star replacement for Draymond Green and LaMelo Ball was named the all-star replacement for Kevin Durant I don't mean to pat myself on the back and tell everyone I told you so but I actually love telling everyone I told you so so I told you so um, DeJounte Murray was my pick for the West to get in. Lamelo is one of three guys I was floating around for the East. I think he deserves it. Cause I think out of Lamelo, Jared Allen, and Drew Holiday, Lamelo has the most star power. And is the only one of those guys that is the clear uncut leader of his team. Um, I think the NBA for once nailed it this year with their all-stars. Yeah, dude, I'm not even going to pretend like I know, um,
2: I'm a big ball brothers guy. So, okay. um, Oh wait, LaMelo.
1: So the guy that plays in Charlotte. Yes. The youngest, let's the us ball. Go dude. Yeah. He's buying away the best of all the uh, ball brothers. Bro. He's like a second year player, right? Yeah. It's a second year in the NBA.
2: Oh dude, let's go, man. I'm, I'm a huge LaMelo ball fan.
1: Um, this is going to be fun. I might
2: actually tune in for this
1: now. Yeah. He's the right pick for the viewership too. Like getting him in the skills competition will be fun. Getting him in the game will be fun. He's going to make some sick passes behind the back stuff. You know, him and Giannis, if they're on the court at the same time, will be electric. It'll be fun. Him and Joel maybe run a little pick and roll. Excuse me.
2: Um, It'll be a fun game. How many 30 footers is he going to throw up? Like,
1: I think over under is like five and a half. Yeah. I mean, he's got, it's got to be because he's going to just chuck them, dude. Oh, let's go! I'm actually, I'm, I'm hyped now. I'm hyped. Thank you. Uh, if Lamelo hears this, please do a Steve Nash elbow pass because I know he can do it. If there's anyone that can do it, it's he, it's him. He can do it. Ooh, th- I
2: honestly don't even think of Steve Nash. I think of
1: uh, white chocolate. Jason. Okay, Williams. Jason Williams did it. Steve Nash did it. If you want to go way back, I think Pistol Pete pulled that out back in the day. So, uh, shout out Pistol Pete. There's I. I need to see that on my Twitter timeline. I need it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll look sick. Um, Other basketball news. Rumor has it that Brooklyn and the Sixers have talked about a trade for Simmons and Harden. The Sixers have basically said, we're not giving you anything other than Simmons and Steve Nash and other members of Brooklyn came out and said yesterday that they're not trading James Harden, no matter what that means absolutely nothing to me because teams say that all the time, like the Pelicans when they had Anthony Davis and they just turned around and traded him. So it could definitely still happen. Philly thinks they're in the driver's seat here and they're just not like, I wouldn't give up more assets than Simmons for Harden. Cause I love Harden. I think he's a little bit washed up. I don't know how motivated he is to play in Brooklyn, but if you're the Nets You got to do something. You're the sixth seed in the East right now. The sky's kind of falling. You do not have good assets around those big three players, KD, Kyrie, and Harden. KD's going to be out a little bit longer as well. So they got to make a move. I don't think Simmons is the right piece for them. But if they want to give us Harden for Simmons and like three first round picks, yeah, do that all day. I'm ecstatic over that. Uh, And Harden's a free agent at the end of the year. And I don't think he's going back to Brooklyn. So we shall see. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think there's a better chance that they might be able to get Bradley Beal. Cause I think Bradley Beal is done in Washington. I think he gave them a chance to build a team around him and create a winner. He's having a bad season this year too. He's fallen outside of the top 20 NBA players. He's not a standalone guy. He cannot be your number one option to win you a championship. He needs another star who's better next to him for him to succeed. And I, I think Washington's either going to move him now or in the summer. If they move him in the summer, I think there's a really good chance the Sixers get him. I don't know how interested they are in Simmons. But with Beal, you might have to give up another piece. I'm not all that unwilling to do that. I really don't want to give up Maxi. I would consider giving up Thibel, even though I love what he brings defensively. He's clearly just never going to develop into an offensive threat. And if you could get a guy like Bradley Beal, a locked-in offensive scorer, to play alongside Joel Embiid, the Sixers would be in title contention again. And I I think even if you get Harden, you're still in that title discussion. I would just rather have Beal with his age and what he can do versus Harden at this stage of his career.
2: So so what are the odds? Like, have the Lakers been in the
1: discussion for Bradley Beal at all? I don't think so, because I don't think they can afford him. Like, they'd have to give Washington, Russell Westbrook, but Washington traded Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. So they're not going to do that. And the Lakers aren't going to give them AD. And Russ, LeBron, and AD make up almost all of their salary caps. So I, there's no way they could bring Beal in without getting one of those guys out. They're clearly not giving up LeBron or AD. Washington already had Russ. They traded him to the Lakers. So that's definitely not happening. I don't think the Lakers can find a way to get him on that team.
2: Yeah, I know. over the summer, my big Laker fan buddy wanted Beal over Russ. so. I'm just trying to think about how that would work out, but it looks like it might not. Lakers Lakers might be fucked. So. Yeah,
1: I'd look out for San Antonio making a run for Bradley Beal. That's my outside-the-box pick if they give them a million draft picks. It's uncharacteristic of pop, but they have some younger assets that they could move, and if your backcourt is DeJounte Murray, Bradley Beal, then you're in really good shape. I don't think that's going to happen, but I feel like he's he's gone before the deadline, and if not, he's definitely gone this summer. Got it. Hmm. Yep. Well, hopefully they can. Hopefully they can uh, make the
2: playoffs or or hit their over on wins because that's what I have. So, uh, hang in there,
1: Bradley. Please, <laughs> for for Finney's mental health, please, Bradley, hang in there. Um, we have had one trade so far going into the trade deadline week. Uh, the Cavs got Karis Levert, and they've reunited him with Jared Allen. Both guys were on the Nets prior to them bringing in their big three. The trade that went down, Cleveland receives Karis Levert, a 2022 second round pick via Miami. Uh, Indiana, who traded Levert to Cleveland, receives Ricky Rubio, a 2022 first round pick that is lottery protected, a 2022 second round pick that's Houston's, and a 2027 second round pick that's Utah's. The 2020 or the 2020 anything, any second round pick is useless in the NBA once in every 10 years seven, bro 20 yeah. twenty-seven, five years away what and it's like it's on? somehow utah's pick i don't know how like the pacers or sorry the cavaliers had that pick from utah i think it might have been like a rodney hood trade i'm not positive on that that's just my guess but those picks mean nothing the second round picks mean nothing honestly the first round pick means nothing because it's lottery protected so it's 16 or or worse um It's a great trade for Cleveland. I say Karis LeVert is not a perfect basketball player. He's definitely flawed, but he can score. And putting him on that roster with Garland and Jared Allen and Sexton and uh, the pieces they have around those guys, I'm really excited to see what the Cavs can do. We were just talking about the Cavs kind of being fringe on the top five seeds in the East. I think this move gives them bench depth, and they could finish ahead of Brooklyn now. And to a further point, Brooklyn gave up both Lavert and Jared Allen to build this big three that they have now. And I'm going to be honest with you. They shouldn't have done that because Harden's been a mess. kd has been hurt the entire time. And we don't have to talk about Kyrie Irving, but Jesus Christ, that's backfired in their face. Big time. Um, they took a chance on a guy who was known to be a locker room cancer. And he's continued to be that during his time. So I don't know, man. I, I kind of like Cleveland now. I think they could make a little bit of a run. I'll be, I mean, I, I, so it basically sounds
2: like my, to make the playoffs bet is almost a lock at this point. I think so.
1: Yeah. And like with Mobley too, who's in contention for rookie of the year, I have a sneaking suspicion he will come on really strong in the second half of the season, especially adding some shooting ability and scoring with Karis LeVert, run a little pick and roll again, Karis LeVert isn't, a perfect basketball player um he's solid at best but you know I, I think it's a good move for them honestly
2: I'm about it dude I'll, I definitely will have to start reading up on uh NBA once the Super Bowl is over but
1: I'm about it <laughs> yeah man. I mean, I have uh nBA game pass, so once football ends, I'm gonna be all over it, dude. I'm gonna be dude. watching all the games. i you know what I'm gonna tune in for a Sacramento Utah game at ten thirty on a Tuesday. I'm ready.
2: Take the underdog, but yeah, like this twenty twenty seven second round pick, I need to know more about this because what if this was traded
1: in like two thousand seven i I honestly. Think it was in? It had to have been in the Rodney Hood trade because Cleveland traded Rodney Hood to Utah after they blew it up when LeBron left, and I, I have to imagine that's the only way they got that pick, unless they made another trade with Utah or it was a three-team deal somehow. But that would be my guess is how they got it. It's a useless pick. All second-round picks are useless. Pick. I remember when the Sixers had uh, Sam Hinkie as their GM. They had like fifteen second-round picks a year. Like that's an overestimate, but it seems like that. And none of those guys panned out to be players who could play in the NBA. Most of those picks got overseas guys drafted who never came over and played in the NBA, so.
2: Yeah, well, let's see how good the NBA GMs are. Let's see what they can do.
1: Yeah, um, just real quick on Karis LeVert. His points per game went down from last year. He's at 18.7 this season, shooting 32% from three. Not great. Uh, not ideal, but his per 36 minutes is 21.6 points and the same 32.3% from three on 1.8 attempts or sorry, 5.6 attempts a game. So, you know, he could be, he could be a contributor. I'm not going to rule it out. I I think it's a good pickup for what they gave up essentially nothing. Uh, Ricky Rubio is servicing the leadership role on that team, getting guys prepared like Garland and Sexton, but I think they don't need him anymore, and I, I think it's a really good trade. Yeah, dude. Let's bring it on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go into our final topic of the night, the MLB lockout. Don't expect swing training to occur at the end of February as it always does. Pitchers and catchers aren't reporting. No one's going to show up because the NBA, the N- MLB excuse me, is in lockout. And I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. The players are asking for a higher minimum salary for veterans. The league is asking to abolish arbitration. The players are asking for more player-friendly scheduling and rules around that. The league wants to maximize their profit. The players are asking for a new surface on the baseball in response to the spider-tack gate thing that happened last year. Make the game safer for pitchers. Make their arms safer from injury. The league doesn't want to do that. The players are fed up. Last year during COVID, or two years ago now during COVID, the MLB said they were delaying the season due to figuring out logistical problems and player safety. But the players argued we were ready to go back and play, and the league's just holding off the season so they don't have to pay us the same amount of money. It was basically a squabble over how much of these players owed for as little games as we can possibly pay them. The league is trying to maximize revenue. They're trying to add a salary cap so guys can't get paid absurd amounts of money. They're trying to abolish arbitration so guys can't renegotiate their contract and get the money they deserve if they're a good young player making pennies on the dollar. In baseball, if you're a rookie and you're not a star first, second round pick, you're only making like 400K if you're on a major league roster. That is lower than every other major league in sports. So the question is, who's going to budge first? And judging by the tone of the players and how many years of negotiations led up to this, the players have been spearheading accepting the terms just to play. They are accepting bad terms to play baseball. And this has been going on for the last three or four agreements. I don't think they're going to do it this time. And I think we're moving into a full lockout situation where I can't see this season starting on time. Free agency hasn't even ended. And that's another huge issue in all of this. The players want a longer free agency period. And the owners don't want that because that gives a longer period of time for players to get paid. It's alarming, the greed displayed, but it's not surprising. I mean, we're seeing it in the NFL right now with the Washington football team situation. There have been multiple women that have come out and allege that the NFL refuses to go forward with a criminal investigation or release information, which is harming their criminal case against the team. And the NFL, Roger Goodell specifically, has come out multiple times and said, we're not releasing this information because we want to protect the women. But the women are coming out and saying, release the information, it would help our criminal case. So clearly the NFL is just covering one of their owner's asses here. And the same thing's going on in baseball all the time. The owners are looking out for the owners and not the players. And of course the players are going to look out for the players and not the owners. And I think we're going to come to a a head here at some point in March. And a decision is going to have to be made in early March, whether we're going to start baseball on time or not, because spring training is going to take two months. Regardless, these guys got to get geared up to play. And if they can't do that in time, then there's no way end of March, early April that we're going to be seeing regular season baseball. Yeah. I mean, these sports lockouts, to me, are wild. Like, I
2: obviously know that there's player unions, but I'm, I'm all for the players getting all the money they need. It's a it's like a big millionaires versus billionaires argument. Um, I, I think the billionaires should just pay them what they're worth. Instituting a salary cap, I mean, everything you just said is the first time I'm hearing it. I think a salary cap would be good for the overall competition of the league. And then if they implement, like, revenue sharing like the NFL that could raise everyone's money. Um, all of the, all the stuff with the new texture on the balls. I don't really know about that but I would like to see the, M- the MLB institute a different way that they schedule their games. like some like I don't even know like during the summer there's games every day, sure, but I'd like to see it like a Monday Tuesday is like your in division games. You're, like, Thursday, Friday are out of division. Saturday are for the big marquee games. Like, I'd like to see something scheduling-wise because half the time you don't know when the games are. During the summer, they're played at, like, 1 p.m. People aren't really going to be able to go to that. I, I think the MLB has a, a lot of issues that, you know, Rob Manfred probably isn't the best at figuring them out.
1: No. And, oh. you know, news came out today that the MLB – It's already stopped testing players for steroid use because it can't because they're locked out, but that might be a permanent switch going forward where they're going to stop testing players for steroid use. It's still kind of up in the air because there's no CBA. Yeah. We, we, I already went on my rant about the hall of fame, but if they do that, then what are we doing? Like what's happening? What, what argument can even be made that these guys don't make the hall of fame, but they can't test these guys right now for anything. So they all could be beefing themselves up. On your salary cap point, ESPN interviewed Andrew Miller, who's a rep for the MLB Players Association, and they asked him, fans will sometimes ask, what's wrong with the NBA or NHL system, which includes a salary cap and a sharing of revenues? Miller responded, talk to the players in those leagues and see how it works for them. It's not the same magic bullet that eliminates any disagreements with players in their leagues. If anything, it adds to it. Plus, there's an argument on what constitutes revenue. Our union has felt it's not the it's not the system that's best for us. It's pointed out a way to create parity, but we've seen plenty of different teams in baseball win it or be successful. There's other ways to get the market to work in ways that everyone can be happy with. They talked about a salary floor because players want that. There is no salary floor in baseball now. So a team like the Rays can pay none of their star players ever and just replace them with entry level guys they think can succeed. I personally think that makes baseball interesting, money ball strategy, et cetera. Sure. But it is inherently bad for the players because guys that deserve bigger contracts aren't going to get them. And other instances in baseball have happened where all the owners have agreed, hey, we're just not going to pay this guy. And so they don't get the offer that they thought they were going to get. Shout out Bryce Harper when that whole thing happened. And the Phillies finally broke the mold and said late, late in the offseason, No, we want this guy. So we're going to sign him but all these owners talk and all of them agree not to pay guys. It it's really messed up and it's not just baseball. It's in every league, but it's tough. It's tough to see a resolution for this anytime soon. Cause they seem so far apart on all the issues.
2: Does anyone really fucking care? Like I, I know you're a baseball fan, like for, as a, as an ultra casual baseball fan, like I really don't watch anything outside of the playoffs. Like, I don't really watch summer baseball games anyways. I know you're a Phillies fan, but. Yeah,
1: I I personally love baseball. There's something about in the summer, throwing a game on in the background, having a beer, putting the windows open, just chilling. I think it's the best live sport to attend by a mile. Basketball games are fun. I hate going to football games live. I'd rather watch them on TV, to be honest with you, because I can't see anything when I'm at the game. I think baseball is the only sport where it works live better than it does on TV. Okay. But yeah, I I mean, listen, they're not testing these guys I'm sorry, not choosing to not test these guys for steroids based on a stance. I want to make that clear. They're not testing them because there's no CBA and the players are locked out right now, which means that the MLB can't do anything, uh, to control them, to test them, to pay them or anything at all. So it could fall into players see an opportunity to beef up, get stronger, use PEDs come the start of the season. They're already past the period where they would test positive.
2: Dude, what if the players like
1: somehow negotiate in the CBA, like we're allowed to take steroids now. There's no way. There's just no way. I mean, I had mentioned it earlier, but there's just no way. Now, the one thing the players do want is to not get tested for marijuana, and I think that's completely fair because if you play in Los Angeles for the Angels or the Dodgers, it's recreationally legal in your state, yet you can't do it, which makes absolutely no sense. It's the same thing in a lot of these leagues. I think the NFL doesn't test anymore as of this year, if I'm correct. So leagues – and the NBA doesn't anymore. So leagues have followed that path, and I think MLB has to be on that wave next.
2: Got it. Yeah. It'll be interesting, man. Yeah. I don't,
1: I don't know what to expect. Like I said, I'm not an expert in CBAs. This could get wrapped up in three weeks. It just seems like they're so far apart. And based on all the reports coming out that all of these meetings have just been shouting matches and arguments and they're nowhere close on a deal. I don't think we're going to see baseball on time in late March, early April, which is a bummer to me. Cause opening day is one of my favorite experiences uh for any sport
2: yeah as a business major i am really intrigued by like everything that goes on in these collective bargaining agreements so once it's wrapped up we'll have to look at it and maybe do a do a segment on the use case of it yeah or
1: just that'll be fun who got what in these negotiations because oftentimes the players are the ones that get shafted but all, all of the time it's give and take there has to be compromise and i don't think the players are standing up saying there can't be compromised. We want what we want, but I think they're tired of sacrificing more and I don't think they're willing to sacrifice more than the owners this time around. So I I think they're going to be a little more standoffish because like I said, the last three or four collective bargaining agreements that have expired, the players have kind of said, okay, we'll take the one or two carrots you're offering us in exchange for keeping things the same so we can just play baseball I think that over COVID, the way that that situation unfolded where the owners were very clearly trying their best to start the season late and not pay them after saying the opposite in the media really soured the relationship uh, between the two sides. And we're seeing that now. Dude, how
2: shitty would replacement players be? I don't even want to put it in the ether, but that's what I don't happened. think
1: they'll do it because baseball's already so low on interest in viewership. If they threw replacement players out there, I mean, they tried it in the 80s. And it just didn't work. People stopped going to the games. The fans booed them. The players that were getting replaced by these scabs came out and said, we'll never play with you. And some guys after that ended up on rosters and no one talked to them. They got shunned. They got bullied in the locker room. It just opens up a whole can of worms that I don't think the MLB wants to deal with. Right on. Well, fix your shit. MLB get it together. Fix your shit MLB, fix your shit NFL. NBA's all right, but uh, we're seeing the same shit every time, man. The greed is unprecedented. The MLB has made more money last year than they've made in any season previously in revenue. Now, it's not adjusted for inflation, but still, um, things have to change. The NFL, things have to change. I mentioned the Washington football team case, but stop protecting Dan Snyder. He's a creep. He's a sexual assaulter. So are a lot of people that work for that team. Make it public information. Don't just choose to make it public information when you're mad at John Gruden. And I'm not justifying what John Gruden did, but the way that he had that information leaked by the NFL to kind of avoid the whole firestorm surrounding Washington football team case was disturbing. And again, the Brian Flores situation, are they just going to sweep that under the rug? I guarantee during the Super Bowl, they, end an ad, they air an ad, end racism ad and put it on everyone's helmet and in the end zone, but they've proven they don't care. The MLB's proven they don't care about a lot of these things. It, it, it's time for some change and we have to be the agents of that change and force these corporations to do it.
2: Right on, brother. Right on.
1: Well, man... I think that's all I got. What do we got on Friday? Friday pod. We're going to have the full Super Bowl preview. We're going to have our picks. We're going to have the lines, the over-under, players, stats, everything surrounding the game, all of the storylines, who's in, who's out, who's active, who's hurt. We're going to break down the game and what we think will happen and make our picks. Uh, It'll be all things Super Bowl. We'll also have a little preview of UFC 201, I believe it is. Um, it's Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker as the headliner. It's a huge fight card. It's a huge fight. Uh, Second big card of the year. So really looking forward to that. That's going to be Saturday night. We'll talk a little bit about that, get into it as well. And uh, we'll send you into your weekend on some good vibes. Fuck yeah. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Another great show. Let's get after it. Let's get after it. Well, hey, guys, have a great rest of your week. Like I said, we will see you on Friday, and I'm going to let Finn send you off with a nice little joke.
2: What's Forrest Gump's Facebook password? One, Forrest, one. (laughs) Jesus
1: Christ. All right. We'll see you guys on Friday. Peace.
0: I keep that thing on me. God damn it Bobby, they see me selling propane and now they trying to copy Pretend to be broke, but I got hella cash If you use charcoal, I'ma kick your ass Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. That's my purse, I don't know you. If you run in up then I pull out this 32 Bitchy's big, Bobby spitting heat in the stew. I got rats on rats, and you ain't got a clue. God damn it, Bobby! Shut the fuck up! When When I'm on the block, bitch, I fucking shit. Oh man, god damn it. Bitch, I'm pulling out, painting clouds on my walls. Bout go kick my dad in the balls. Made this money from propane, bitch. I feel like Pablo Escobar, but I don't sell cocaine, bitch. Shot that fella cuz he didn't make his payments. Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement. Made this money from propane, bitch I feel like Pablo Escobar But I don't sell cocaine, bitch Shot that fella cause he didn't make his payments Fuck with me, I keep a rocket launcher in my basement Oh man, goddamn Bobby, I know you were capping the whole time, boy I know you get no bitches and no hoes and no paper, no bands, boy All you do is sit in the fucking basement all day And play World of Warcraft with your bitch ass Jerking off to hentai all day with your ugly ass, man Bobby, you need to go get a fucking job or something, man I'm about to kick you out of the house,